dude. Five, five minutes. minutes. How long has it been? It's Friday. Uh, a couple weeks. I don't know. I don't know. A couple weeks. Did you I miss think. me? Nah, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. Uh, all right. Yeah, so it's been a couple weeks, uh, and we're, uh, again, missing this week's hybrid series because yeah. uh, our lazy editor took a week off. and uh, Damn the holidays. Yeah, you know what? It's going to be tough, too, next week uh, because next week he's here for two days because uh, we got New Year's and New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and we're all working here on New Year's Eve except for Dave. Lazy, lazy Dave. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to try to jam that thing in next week, and it's going to be about calcium and alkalinity. So I thought, man, hey, we'll just talk today about, you know, calcium reactors because that is definitely going to hit the mix. All right, man. Well, it looks like everybody's rolling on in. Calcium reactors, not as hard as you think it might be. That's probably what we're trying to solve here. I think not, not maybe not today, but in the long run. I think, man, it is actually easier than most people think. So, uh, hey, we should ship to Europe. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I think it is, man. I think it is easier. So I think if you have the right equipment, if you got the right equipment, it can be as easy or easier than like two part. Maybe. Yeah, probably. So a lot of people ask, uh, I think, man, is it going to be cheaper? Is there like some way where calcium reactor is cheaper? Initial cost? Mm, never. Upfront cost? Well, no. I shouldn't say never. Uh, but yeah, dude, it's gonna cost a lot, man. You gotta buy the reactor, you gotta yeah. buy the media done right. A lot of people are gonna buy a, 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 a pH controller mm -hmm. or use their own controller. Yep. Uh, they're also maybe gonna buy a, you know a regulator with uh, maybe like the carbon doser, which is like three hundred bucks. CO2 think it's tank, probes, you know, the media itself. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, but once you get into it. Okay, yeah, well, once, you, once that ship sailed, it's definitely cheaper. <laughs> At that point, it says CO2 and some uh, calcium reactor media, super cheap. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'm going to just throw out some ideas as to why would anybody even, like, bother doing this. Uh, because, you know, uh, Randy here has done it before. Uh, I've seen it done here. I've, like, monkeyed around with it a little bit. But, like, I've never really felt, like, the, the need to do it. So let's, mm -hmm. we're going to for sure do it on a couple of these tanks here in the next week or so. But, like, you know... Why would anybody want to do a calcium reactor to begin with? Uh, for me, why did I want to go to a calcium reactor? Uh, one, because for me it was easier to it was easier to maintain. It may seem like there's a lot of complicated equipment, a lot of things, uh, moving pieces and whatnot. But once I got everything set up on my home tank, uh, I don't have to mix calcium and alkalinity. I don't have to wash my containers. I don't have to watch my containers. I don't got to adjust dosages. You don't have to deal with precipitate like from the alkalinity and calcium drip. I mean, there's some of this that might transfer over into the calcium reactor, like precipitate, things like that, or effluent drip rate. If, you're, if it's not high enough above the water, you could start to clog it up. But all in all, like, I had my calcium reactor, I set it up, and then I walked away, and I didn't really touch it for a long time. So done well, man, that's what it should feel like. Yeah. Uh, you should be able to set it up and, like, you know, tune it in, man, put a little effort in the front, and then be able to say, hey, done, calcium alkalinity, not my problem. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think the fear is that it won't be that easy all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'll just chime in a couple of the same kind of reasons, man, why I, like, uh, I would consider a reactor or why most people would is uh, A, man, it doesn't mess with salinity like uh, two-part does, yeah. so you know you don't have to worry about you know doing water changes just to make salinity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, trace elements and stuff, people say. Potentially. Uh, you know, I mean, I'd say potentially all the time, because I don't know for sure, but it's very likely that a lot of those media, especially the media that look like little pieces of Acropora, are yeah. probably adding uh, whatever's in the Acropora skeleton back into the tank. Uh, 
Uh, and you know, uh, cool factor, man, is gear, dude. You know, so uh, like, <laughs> you know, cool. some people just like gear on their tank is fun. Uh, you know, it's a hobby, man. So. You know, this isn't like just a dog food bowl, yeah. you know, and your normal kind of pet, man. This is fun. You know, you put a lot of gear in the tank. Some people like to keep it as simple as possible. And in some ways, this could be simple as possible, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, we'll dive into that. But you know what? Uh, I think having gear is kind of cool, man. It's, it's a toy, you know, somewhat. And I mm-hmm. just preach that your LED lights are not a toy. The calcium reactor isn't a toy either, man. But it's a cool thing, you know, to be able to adjust and understand and implement properly. Yeah. So. Yeah, awesome, man. So, uh, you know, I thought we'd answer, like, we had a little email that went out, you know, we said we'd answer a couple of different questions. Uh, so we'd ask, can calcium reactors be as easy or easier than two-part kelp washer? What are the simplest ways to tune a calcium reactor? I think that's the part that scares most people. Tuning it. Tuning it, for yeah, sure. sure. Like, how do I get this thing in, in, in line? Because it like, seems like it's going to be hard. And while a lot of the ways it's explained is all mad scientist. Yeah. Uh, so Adjust effluent drip rates and close this down and feed pumps. And every one of them oh. goes in, you know, an inverse of the it's other tough. one. Yeah, so uh, which calcium media to use and why sizing your calcium reactor properly or more? So those are like, those are like four things we're going to answer for sure. I saw you circling a question there, yeah. uh, Carlos. Which one was it, man? Uh, when changing a cal- over to calcium reactor from the balling method, do you suggest you do it gradually or just switch over and tune the reactor? That's, oh, that's a good, good question. One. I'll let you roll. Yeah, um, you know, the good thing about a calcium reactor, if I were to switch from two-part to calcium reactor, of course... Like we all know in this hobby, or like I fought, try to follow, like abrupt, immediate changes, not so good. Um, so the good thing about a calcium reactor is I don't have to turn that thing full blast, melt all the media full blast. I can gradually ease the media. Dis- uh, you know, I can gradually transfer my my two part or my balling method over to the calcium reactor by maybe changing the pH in my calcium reactor to a higher pH so it doesn't melt media as fast. So it's not adding as much alkalinity uh, or you know it doesn't add as much alkalinity and calcium into the tank and then as I back off of my and of course you got to test during this whole you know this whole process continually test but as I back off the mills that I'm dosing you know for my two-part I'm also increasing either the flow rate or the pH inside my calcium reactor to adjust for it to compensate for one or the other and then pretty soon I have all of my stuff uh, I have my two-part weaned off my system and my calcium reactor is fully functional and maintaining my my alkalinity, my calcium, and my calcium, and I can just pull the two part off. I agree. I don't think I would do like just turn off the two part and turn on the calcium reactor. Yeah. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I might consider is like take my two part dose and cut it in half. You know, and then turn the calcium reactor on and try to figure out like how much uh, uh, fluent do I need for for that. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once I get that down, because I I know I'm not going to be plummeting now because I you know only I'm dosing still half of my two part. Right. And then like say I figure out hey man it's like uh, 20 milliliters in an hour that makes up half of it. Well, I can probably now just turn off uh, the two part and double it to 40 milliliters. It might not be perfect, and we'll get to some of that reason why, but like it'll be pretty darn close. Yeah. You know, but you can take baby steps instead of just turn something off and then for the first time, you know, you never used a calcium reactor before, like switching knobs and stuff, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would absolutely consider not doing that. Yeah. All right. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to try to figure out. Uh, you know, any good tea. You know, Cole's always asking me, what do you got there again? Uh, this is, what is it? Oh, Zen tea from Tazo. It's a yeah, ca- lightly caffeinated. 
Lightly, lightly, lightly caffeinated. I get no caffeine, man. I drank too much coffee already. <laughs> so I got, I don't know, some orange blossom. No, wild orange something or another. Zany. Right. I know Zany. nobody cares. Right. Uh, last night, though, we had, uh, or had, uh, what was it? <laughs> what was I just telling you about it? The cucumber and slightly a little bit of lime infused. Love that tea, man. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll start off with this first question here, man, that we decided we were going to answer, and then oh, maybe yeah. get a couple of answers to fill that in. Uh, is uh, can calcium reactors be easy, uh, as easy or easier than two part or Kalkwasser, man? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Kalkwasser one. Maybe you can uh, shoot. Can it be easier than two part, man? I mean, uh, I mean, I kind of already, you know, I kind of explained it when I, my reasoning for having a calcium reactor, why I would choose one over two part. Uh, I mean, you know, when it comes down to it, I forget. I forget all the time unless I have some kind of timer or unless uh, you know unless my dosing reservoir from a two-part is right in front of my face I'm gonna forget sometimes to, to refill it uh, and then maybe I, I only test maybe I only test weekly and then all of a sudden I test and I'm like oh where, the, where did all my alkalinity go uh, and then I go look and I'm already I'm empty and I gotta go mix them up and you know uh, there's a lot of moving. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, there's a lot to that, and you know, there's something to be said for me personally about my uh, approach to reef keeping, where I can have the calcium reactor and go this many mils per minute, this pH in the thing, and I've tested it over the course of several days, and my alkalinity is like solid. Uh, and I don't have to worry about it. I can come back in two weeks, and three weeks, and a month, and two months, and see that everything is just as stable. So now if that's my main reason. So as far as easier than two-part, uh, other than changing out media and monitoring my CO2 tank to make sure I'm not running empty, which could last a timeline of you know multiple months on end, uh, for me that's easier. And yeah, I mean adjusting dosages, dealing with cal dealing with precipitate if I get imbalances in my tank, you know the salinity thing that you were talking about. You know, if I if I'm not if I'm doing something like a Triton method, or if I'm doing like a low water change type uh, approach to reef keeping, where I'm, maybe I'm not changing water every week or two weeks, and I start to get, you know, I've got a, a non-dry or a more dry skim on my on my skimmer, uh, then I have to watch my salinity too because uh, salinity is going to with the two-part salts going in, your salinity is slowly going to rise over time, and that's another thing I don't get with calcium reactors. So it's one of those things I don't have to worry about anymore. So I'll just add on that that uh, I think, man, that and I think he's right in the essence that you know long-term use of the, the calcium reactor is probably easier than two-part. It just requires less maintenance. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't have to, uh, you know, fill up the jugs all the time. I don't have to watch them. I don't have to worry about trace elements probably uh, as much. True. And uh, but the setup, I don't know. I don't know anybody that if you've never done it before. There's no universe where the calcium reactor is easier than two-part. Oh, yeah. yeah. like there, you, you got to learn there. something. Yeah. Like two-part, what do you do? Uh, like I figure out that I'm going to dose uh, 100 milliliters. The levels drop a little bit, so I do 110 instead. You know, like that. It doesn't get any easier than that. But long-term, i got to release the jugs. Probably got to do some, but some trace elements with some of these things unless I'm using really expensive options. Mm -hmm. And I uh, probably got to worry about water changes a little bit more with salinity and overall, overall chemistry. So... You know, once you dial the thing in, uh, especially in a more stable tank, uh, I think, you know, could be easier. And so in relation to Kelkwasser, I mean, Kelkwasser is maybe the easiest thing I can think of. Like, you know, there's so many avenues of Kelkwasser uh, out there that, like, you know, a lot of discussion. But if I was just going to, like, boil it down to nothing, man, it's add, uh, you know, anywhere between a half a teaspoon to uh, two, two teaspoons, teaspoons to a gallon of water in my auto top-off and done. 
you know, my pH is high, my calcium alkalinity is spot on, I've replaced all my evaporated water, all in like one thing. Like that's yeah. pretty damn easy. But like the thing that like really kind of unravels from there is like, you know, a lot of people that have done that, you know, have found that they used a cheap auto top off mm. that like flooded their tank full of kelp water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I did that a long time ago with the, when you, especially when you're relying on the little moving floats, moving parts in salt water oh, or yeah. salt creep are a terrible mm. idea. Uh, they're not as bad as if you're going to keep the float out of the water mm-hmm. where it doesn't get salt creep and snails and stuff on it. But if it's in the water, I'd call it a terrible, terrible idea, mm. uh, in my opinion. Uh, so, like, you know, I used it after that with the, the oscillator uses a little optical eye. Once in a while, the, op- uh, the oscillator will get dirty and it will fail in the off position. But I've still, to this day, never seen one fail in the on position, yeah. which is what I'd be worried mm-hmm. about, especially with Kelkwasser. But if you have a you know cal, uh, 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 a, a pH, no a pH controller or oh, whatnot, yeah, yeah. like you can turn the thing off if mm-hmm. ever dosed. But so it starts to get more complex when you recognize the you know dangers of the calcium and start protecting yourself against them. And you know there, I'd also say it's actually actually more complex in some ways because. You know, what I'm really relying on now is the dose of kelp water is based on how much I evaporate a day, mm-hmm. you know, and so that changes with seasons, whether or not your windows are open, you know, all kinds of things. Which like, starts to fluctuate your alkalinity and calcium levels and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, so all things will definitely change through the season. But another uh, another thing about kelp water that people, uh, you know, I've always was always under the impression, too, that, you know, there's limitations with kelp water. Like a kelp water, to a kelp water may, may, can't maintain a, you know, a heavy, high-demand tank. I don't know if it's necessarily true. If you if you're using it in an ATO situation only at two teaspoons max saturation, yeah, probably it's going to hit a, a point where you're just not going to keep up because you're not one, you're not evaporating enough as much water as your ATO is putting in at that at that concentration. But when we set up the ULM tanks uh, where we're feeding a caulk stir with that is constantly saturated, it's it's nonstop fully saturated caulk washer at all times, and you're purposefully dosing it to the tank and then you have an ATO completely separate of the tank that's doing its ATO thing so now now you can actually increase the amount of Kalkwasser solution max saturation that you're dosing to the tank which in turn starts to uh, allow you to maintain high demand tanks or higher demand tanks with Kalkwasser alone uh, more moving parts again you're talking dosing pump you're talking caulk stir you're talking you know initial upfront cost and stuff like that but you know as so far I'm as just give a final answer on this, then I guess, man. Can it is, be easier or yeah. easy? Can uh, calcium nitrate be as easy or easier than two-part calcwasser? Mm-hmm. Long-term maintenance after you figure out how to use it, I think it can. Yeah. Learning it in the beginning, nope. <laughs> uh, I think in the in the beginning, man, you have to be willing to learn how to use your gear. True. Uh, and, it, and it is a more interesting dynamic uh, thing to do than you know dosing some calcium chloride to your tank, yeah. which is pretty simple yeah yeah i agree all right so can calcium oh uh well you know let's see if there's any questions up here real quick there's a few of them Uh, when starting a new tank uh do you run a calcium reactor during the cycle i'd like to learn how to use it before the corals go in but i wasn't sure if uh demand would be there Hmm. hey man brett uh absolutely dude Uh, i would run it well the tank of the cycle and if only man because i want to learn what it does and how it does it before the corals go in there so like you're uh you know uh, you know, my thought process there is spot on. Your tank probably isn't going to consume a whole lot of calcium yeah. and alkalinity, specifically if you have no cal- coralline algae or anything in there. But, man, you can start to get an idea of what raises it, you know, a DKH a day or half a DKH or whatever before you put corals in there, man. So uh, you may, 
finding you to get a couple water changes to bring it back down, but like, you know, that would be a good idea to figure out how to use it. Maybe grab one here. Yeah, this uh, reef keeper's asking, he's recommend pulling instead of pushing. Is there notice of a buildup of CO2 causing noise in the reactor? You know, I, I want to, I'd probably say that that's probably more related to the calcium reactor itself and how it recirculates the, the air or CO2. Um, a lot of the calcium reactors, like the Geo's Reef Calcium Reactor that I had, I think the, the Vertex one have ports in them that specifically draw pockets of air or, or maybe CO2 that's built up in there and draws it and recirculates it back in, which eventually over time, like I think somebody on AskBRS TV Facebook group was talking about, hey, I've got air in my, you know, in my Vertex Calcium Reactor, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling through the reactor like you had recommended, but it's still got air in there. And then follow up on that was, okay, two days later, I finally, I don't have any more air in there. It took a while for that air to recirculate or that excess CO2 to recirculate out and then get back into the tank to where you got a full, you know, a full filled, full siphon going on inside of the reactor. Um, so it may work, it may not be the same with like some other brand reactor who doesn't have that feature or has the feature a different way or configured a different way it's probably all different but from the vertex one specifically i know that it, that one guy on uh, aspirs tv had solved it in like two days yeah that's a good point man like most of the time with noise with these things it will be because air got caught in the pump uh, somewhere mm. in there and just turning it on and off doesn't always work and just letting it run so like uh, before you get like too upset this making a little bit of noise uh, let it run for you know a week I don't yeah know, you know and it probably won't have that issue uh, have you ever tested a calcium reactor to the to the air intake of the skimmer? Hmm, I don't know what that means. I don't actually, know how you would do that. Did you guys ever test the calcium reactor to the air intake of a skimmer? I have no idea what that means. No. Nope. Uh, uh, well, I mean, would you? I don't know why. Unless dropping dripping the effluent into the air intake of the skimmer, but then that this is defeats the purpose of drawing in air. You're not drawing in air, you're drawing oh, in air. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Oh, well, then I guess you'd be gassing off the CO2, maybe? Uh, possibly. Oh. So you drip your effluent right at the intake of the calcium reactor, which then would bubble up inside of the chamber, mix air, water, and mixture chamber of the skimmer? I'm writing this down. We'll that's, that's, maybe we'll give it a try. Uh, you know, uh, this pen sucks. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know, man. If you added to, to the... Effluent in well, first thing you're, you're definitely gonna like probably calcify your pumps, by the way. So get prepared to uh, clean your or take apart your skimmer pump like all the time. If you, if you drip <laughs> it directly to in the front of the pump, yeah, if yeah. you uh, drip uh, right in front of the pump or into the skimmer itself. Mm. But if you did that, you know, I think there's a probably good chance that you could gas off the excess CO2, you know, before it enters the tank. Mm -hmm. And have a. And one of the things about a pro, or about a calcium reactor is it will lower the pH of the tank just a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. But it, you know, if it was recirculating high uh, calcium and alkalinity inside the pump, man, uh, get prepared build to up. build up. Mm -hmm. You know, all kinds of precipitate on that pump. So I, I guess I probably wouldn't do that. I like this one from Richard uh, Richard Gaston. Uh, he asks, and I'll let you take this one because you have. Uh, is there a particular size of tank? that you would recommend using a calcium reactor. So basically sizing your calcium reactor in your tank. Right, what's oh. your thoughts on that? Big, too big is too big, small is too small. How do you feel? 
Well, you know what, man? I, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, there's two questions here. Like, is there a size of tank that miraculously it's worthwhile to do a calcium reactor? Yeah, like 8,000 gallons for sure there. <laughs> uh, you know, like, whatever. There's some point where, like, there's a, like, a, you know, cost ratio. And if you want to go calculate that out, you could, you could figure it mm -hmm. out. You know, depending on how much you're going to spend on it. The reality is, is that cost ratio, man, very rarely, you know, includes the fact that I may have to change the pumps and stuff out every, you know, four years or yeah. whatever, right? Like, I mean, stuff in salt water breaks. So, you know, like, uh, I just don't think you do this, man, pure cost savings uh, in most cases unless you got a super mega system. You know, like over at Worldwide, they have all calcium reactors, but these are super, super big systems yeah. where, you know, trying to add calcium and alkalinity via two parts and stuff would be super expensive. And Time just, consuming. and like, the, yeah. they probably have, would have salinity issues due to the sheer volume uh, or amount of liquid that they're adding to the, the tanks. And it just makes total cost effective in that kind of like commercial uh, environment. Yeah. In a home environment, I just don't think it hits that point. But as far as, so I would do it for different reasons. I mean, I'd do it because, uh, you know, it's a salinity, it's cool gear, it's fun. It's, you know, it's almost like a little science extension of your tank, man. It's just neat to share with people and explain. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, man, it's just cool. So, you know, it's in terms of size to your tank, I don't think you can really oversize one. Yeah, I, I think it'd be impossible, actually, like other than you ran out of space, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for the most part, the only thing I'm really doing here is dissolving the media. I can go too small, and if I go too small, man, it means I need to add excess CO2, CO2. to dissolve the media faster. Keep up with demand, yeah. Right, and then I'm gonna add too much CO2 to my tank. But if I go big, I'm just gonna slow the, uh, I'm gonna probably have max saturation at all times. So the bigger you go, the closer you'll get to like a max saturated, you know, for that pH solution that is super stable and easy to control. So, you know, budgets, uh, you know, you know, are a different thing, but space, like yeah. uh, outside of budgets in space, man, I'd go the biggest I could possibly get because it'd be the stablest. Uh, I'd have to change out the media, the less least frequent. frequent. Uh -huh. uh, it'd be the best. It's not like a protein skimmer where actually getting too big actually decreases performance and probably won't work on your system at all. This is a situation where, you know, the bigger you get, the better it'll probably perform and require the least amount of work. It'll be the most stable and probably the easiest to tune as well. Yeah. All right. I mean, you mentioned, you're talking about uh, pH and, and flow rates and, and saturation inside. Should we hit this? Yeah, Should we hit uh, some absolutely. Of this stuff? So we got uh, two ways. What are the two simplest ways to tune a calcium reactor? I'm just yeah. going to share the two ways. I'll let him go the first one. But... There's two ways to, uh, or actually there's three ways to tune a calcium reactor. Yeah. So the goal is here is to, you know, have a fairly high calcium and alkalinity effluent coming out of this reactor. And there's two ways to do it. One, I can just dose more fluid. You know, uh, you know, I can just make sure instead of doing 20 milliliters a minute, I'll do 40. Uh, theoretically, I could double the amount of calcium alkalinity. Now, there's a reason why that might not be true because I might be pumping it too fast and now it's not the same concentration. But if I had a big reactor, it probably is. Mm -hmm. It probably stays at max. But a small one, maybe not. But you'll, you'll have to test it, you know. Uh, the other way, instead of dosing uh, more fluid, you know, theoretically, I could make the fluid more concentrated. So mm -hmm. at a pH of uh, uh, 6.7 6 or 8, you know, it might be X, you know, it might be 20 dKH at that flow rate uh, coming out of there. 
but at a pH of uh, seven point or I mean six point four or five, it might very well be thirty dKH. So I increase the potency of that fluid fifty percent. So there's two ways to do this. One is add more fluid. The other one is increase the concentration with more CO2 in the pH. And then some people will go like total mad scientists and try to do both, you know. <laughs> and uh, I will like. If you're a super pro out there and you're saying, hey, I do both, that's the best way, great, man, super, uh, you know, awesome for you. Mm -hmm. But for the uh, average person out there that's learning how to do this, do not do both. Pick Peg one. one. <laughs> Peg one, man. Like, hit a 6.8 pH and adjust your fluid yep. until it, it works. And if at some point, man, you've maxed it out and it doesn't work anymore, go ahead and drop your pH a little bit in the solution and then go ahead. But peg one mm -hmm. and change the other and different people will go different ways. So I'll let you start with uh, how you did yours uh, yeah. and pegging uh, fluid. Yeah, so uh, what I did, like Ryan was saying, that was so I've had one, an adjustable, continuous duty adjustable pump. Uh, that's kind of key here when we're talking about some of these different adjustments. That's really what makes it easier. Uh, you know, you can feed off of a manifold off of your tank. You can feed uh, from a feed pump. But when we're talking about making this the simplest approach of the dialing in a calcium reactor, I mean, where I can turn uh, an adjustment knob and go from 20 mils a, a minute to 30 mils a minute to 31 mils a minute and make those small adjustments, that makes this process a whole lot easier. But what, So what I did before, you know, Camor came out with their continuous duty dosing pump, uh, I had one of those big hospital grade master flex dosing pumps and I had it set 30 mils a minute that was it I just gonna 30 mils a minute is all I'm gonna pump into my tank uh, and then I'm gonna play around with checking my alkalinity and seeing if the pH inside my reactor which dissolves at different pHs dissolves the media faster or slower which increases or decreases the potency of the fluid inside uh, I'm going to play with my pH and, dis and, and figure out what, at what pH or what set pH uh, that I can have my uh, controller in, you know, dose more CO2 or shut off CO2. Uh, and that's going to be the determining factor of how I maintain alkalinity in my tank. So I'll test my tank. It's at 8.0. Uh, at 6.6 or 6.6 or 6 uh, pH inside my reactor. So I set my apex to say, you know, if, uh, you, know, you know, if my, my, if my pH probe inside my reactor is 6.6 .6 or higher than or less than, then turn off and on the CO2. So I toggle, so what I do is, now I'm playing with pH. If I find that 8.0 at 6 or 6.7 dKH that my alk levels start to drop, then I know I need to increase the potency, so then I just adjust my pH probe to be 6.6 .6 or 6.5, and I just climb down that alkalinity or that pH scale until I find the pH where my alkalinity stays at 8, 8 dKH. I'm not adjusting the flow at all. It's 30 mils a minute constantly. All I'm doing is at 6.7, uh, I'm, I'm declining in dKH. At 6.6, .6, it's starting to flatten out. At 6.5, it's dead steady on 8.0 dKH. Then I know I'll just set it at 6.5, 30 mils a minute's it, I'm done. I walk away. And I test every once in a while. All right, I'm a little gonna, confusing. I'm going to dumb that down yeah. uh, to my level. All right. Go ahead. Uh, you know, anyway, so what he did is peg the flow rate. So yeah. the thing's doing 20 milliliters or whatever it is, whatever he set it to, yeah. uh, to uh, with a master flex dosing pump. Just peg the dough flow rate. It will always dose this much 24 hours a day. And then based on the tank's needs, adjust the concentration 
by lowering or raising the pH inside the reactor there using carbon dioxide. Yeah, there you go. Right? Exactly. Uh, so some of that nerdy talk there, man, I spoke <laughs> to some of you, but like for some of us, let's, let's boil it down to like, a little easier. So I'm going to do the opposite, man. I think that like mm -hmm. the, the opposite makes the most sense to me, and I think you can debate this if you want. Yeah. Uh, but what I'd like to do is try to peg the concentration, you know, meaning that I'm going to get at a 6.8 pH inside the reactor. If I maintain that, uh, I'm going to hopefully hit like a max solubility of calcium and alkalinity at that pH. And then I'm just going to dose that to the tank, you know, and uh, if uh, 20 milliliters uh, it does, isn't enough, man, it'll be just like two part, man. I'm just going to turn it up to 30. You know, if that isn't enough, I'll turn it up to 40, right? And there's a point, man, where, you know, you know, for the size of the reactor, you probably won't stay at max saturation anymore, but they'll still probably work, you know, because you're just going to add more and more. But, you know, if you have a big reactor with lots of media or finer bits of media with lots of surface area, it's probably going to stay somewhere near max saturation for that pH or pretty stable. So my, just to like, uh, dumb that you know, nonsense down, peg the pH in the reactor, uh -huh. stick even at 6.8, and just the dosium amount that comes out of it. Yeah. And the big thing here is, what's the name of that dosing pump from Camorno? The FTX. That, yeah, or, the FX or uh, the FX STP or something, there you something go. like that. That thing. So there is a continuous duty dosing pump from Camorno. I think it's like 200 and some bucks. Mm -hmm. And now that thing is the game changer because, you know, you had a $4,000 pump. It was used on eBay for probably 500 But, yeah. you know, like uh, now... You know, you got to, and that thing's giant. You know, uh, this thing, the Camor pumps the size of my phone, uh, but a couple inches taller. And you know, that thing, man, I can just tune a very controlled amount. It's continuous duty means designed to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, 365 days a year, and uh, it's calibratable. You know, so I can make sure it's accurate, and I can dose either for him. I can can make sure it peg it at 30 milliliters a minute. Or for me, I can just say, hey, I want more calcium, go from 30 to 33, but keep the pH same. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the thing, man. I think that, like, it was the question here again. Two. What are the two simplest ways to do it? And the simplest way is a little bit more flow or a little bit less pH. That's it. Like one, one or the, the other, other man. <laughs> and, like, yeah. you boil all the shenanigans down, it only has to be that. Go yeah. into my controller and change it from 6.8. To 6.7, I'll dose more calcium, you know, you know. Uh, and inverse, if I peg the pH, if I go from 33 to 36, I'll dose more calcium now. So, and alkalinity and presumably trace elements. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, within that, you know, uh, hey, we'll stop for a couple questions. Let's see what we got here. I uh, think Douglas has a pretty good one there. He says, right. I just got to the point where I need to start dosing calcium and alkalinity. Is a calcium reactor the best way to do that since I don't have a real high demand in my tank? You know, I think uh, the discussion in the community has always been, er, not always been, but sort of the large understanding, my initial understanding of, you know, Kalkwasser two-part uh, calcium reactor is, uh, you know, I used to be, I used to be in, the, in the camp that, okay, I'll start with Kalkwasser in my ATO, and when that doesn't keep up with my demand, then I'll, I'll upgrade to two-part, and when I get to a point where two-part becomes either too high of maintenance or I'm dosing, uh, you know, multiple hundreds of mils, then I'll upgrade to a calcium reactor. I think, uh, I think we're past that now to where we know that each one of these are uh, viable for 
or high demands or higher demands. So it really comes down to, you know, if you, it really comes down to, for me, like, what do I want to do with this tank? Like, I'm, now that I've done all three of these, I've done Calquaster, I've done two-part, I've done cal, uh, calcium reactor, so I know my ins and outs of each one. Like, for my next tank setup, what do I want to do? Do I want to do two-part? It's a viable option. Maybe it's a softy tank, or maybe it's, you know, uh, an LPS and softy tank that's really low demand and always going to be real low demand. I don't necessarily need a calcium reactor on that thing. Uh, I could probably get away. With, I can get away with Kalkwasser. I can get away with two part, and I could probably get away with two part with minimal amount of maintenance too. Um, a large tank like this, I'm going SPS dominant. I might just all automatically go for that calcium reactor because I know from experience how that calcium reactor can work for me. But a calcium reactor you can use on a lower demand. Uh, I mean, maybe something where you're dosing hundred, like a hundred mils a day of two part. Uh, for some people, stick with two-part, and you can stick with two-part for a long time. Um, you can go to a calcium reactor, and you can start with, with a low demand with a calcium reactor and build yourself up to a high demand with a calcium reactor. It's really up to you on, on one, and that initial cost is probably the biggest thing for some people. But I mean, it's not cheap. Yeah, but... Uh, you know, I don't. I wouldn't. I'd stop. I like to stop thinking about it now as like a progression, but more or less like what's just kind of best for the tank approach. The tank that I'm aiming for in volume, and the tank that I'm aiming for in like SPS dominant or LPS or mixed tank. You know, what's what's probably the easiest to do for that type of system. So I don't know. You know, I'd say that like you know a lot of people are on that like unicorn hunt looking for best. Yeah. You know, and like when we refer to each other as best, uh, like people all forget like what my budget is. You know, what my size tank is, what's in it, what my goals are. Do mm -hmm. I like gear? Do I not like gear? Yeah. Do I like toying with things? Do I like you know what what is it like? Those are all different to each person, so there's no best. You know, there's just best to your specific needs. Mm -hmm. It is not cheap. Uh, there's no scenario where buying a calcium reactor uh, and operating it properly is uh, the cheapest way to do it. But cheap might not be the thing that you're after, you know, uh, and, you know, a lot of us it definitely is. But, you know, for other people, it's, hey, man, this is a hobby. I want to put cool gear in my tank. Mm -hmm. I enjoy installing cool gear on it. I enjoy, you know, making the sump area look as cool as the display itself, you know. That's that is not important to a lot of people. To some people, that's part of the hobby. And for everybody who's ever chromed out an alternator, they know exactly what that means. It did not go faster, you know? <laughs> uh, but hey, man, you popped the hood and it looked cool. So, you know, uh, I just think that, you know, for a, a general answer to that question would be most people would not buy a calcium reactor for a low demand tank, uh, yeah. you know, but that doesn't mean that you can't. Uh, and if I had to, like, give some kind of generic, you know, point of like what is the best possible way to add calcium and alkalinity to your tank i mean i guess i go out on a limb here i mean this is not applicable to everybody again mm -hmm. but like i guess i'd say calcium reactor again because i'm not adding all that excess calcium or sodium and chloride to my tank i am adding some kind of natural trace elements to the tank mm -hmm. it's way more precise than uh some of the like a calc washer and evaporation is yeah. and uh I don't know, I mean, it's just like a lot more natural to take coral skeleton and turn it into coral than yeah. it is to take calcium chloride and turn it into coral. Yeah, and like, I mean, these are, you know, that may speak to you or it may not, but like there is again no best. But if I had to pick one because uh, you were going to make me, I guess I'd say that, you know. And, and, you know, I wouldn't say again it's the cheapest because it ain't. The cheapest is definitely Kelkwasser, uh, just followed quickly by like bulk, two-part, and then it gets pretty hairy after that. Once you get into the commercial two parts, uh, they're often a lot more expensive. So, 
Uh, you know, there, there's some benefits, but they get, if you're going to go Kelkwasser versus the commercial two-part, the math gets fuzzy real fast. Mm. You know, uh, it's, it goes into the favor of the calcium reactor much, much quicker. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, what CA media would you use and why? So go ahead, man. Uh, there's a handful of them out there. I've seen a couple of different things, like one of them, little coral bits, you know, there's very obviously little pieces of Acropora or stony mm -hmm. corals. I've also seen them uh, with, you know, what looks like, you know, little rocks or, you know, chunky material. Yeah, large sand particles. Yep. Yeah. I've also seen, uh, like, lab-type material uh, that is pure. Uh, pre presumably anyway, that uh, is like a precipitate, a calcium and carbonate, like kind of like a pure source of limestone. Uh, yeah. And so uh, what would you use? I mean, uh, so when I had mine set up, uh, mainly because I was watching this guy's videos back when I was setting mine up, uh, that two little fishies reborn stuff, and, and because your media, like he said, your media looks like branches. It's branched. It's coral bits. Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, if I'm melted, like you said, you know, it's natural for me to melt coral bits to make corals. Um, so there's something there's something to be said about that. And then you know, it's, particle size is another thing too. And, and that reborn media uh, has the particle set. I mean, there's a set. I would say more medium to coarse size uh, media or bits. One because uh, you know. You, you get a lot of sur you get a lot of surface area with the smaller particle size, like the granular size, the rocks and stuff like that. But uh, for my low demand tank, you know, I could fill up a small chamber that, uh, with a half a bag of this stuff, and it would last me like three months, and uh, I didn't have to worry. And as it melted down, I'm not clogging my you know my circulation pump with some of the smaller bits. If you get like sand granular size type stuff. Uh, some people have mentioned that you know it clogs their pumps, or as the as some of the different types of media melts, it becomes smaller and then might clog the pump or cause you know strain on the pump. Maybe that gets pushed into your effluent drip line, and then your effluent drip line gets clogged. Uh, you know, with the larger bits, I just I never really noticed that problem with them. And Ryan told me to use them because that's what he used in the 52 weeks of reefing. So, uh, well, that's at least what we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I go the same way, man. I mean, I can't help it. You know, the ones that look like Acropora, well, that's what I'm trying to turn it into. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to dissolve it and turn it into new Acropora. So, like, why wouldn't I want to do that? Uh, but that said, I'm actually going to throw this out there. You know, like everything bound up in, in an organic uh, organism isn't necessarily beneficial. So mm -hmm. there's highly likely some phosphate, you know, built up yeah. in his skeleton and some, some other things. Uh, but, you know, my, my guess is it's nothing compared to, like, what you're putting in there via food. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's probably some small amount of, you know, something that is in there. Uh, and that's where it gets a little hairy for me with uh, some of the other options out there. So the other options that don't look like, they just look like little rocks mm -hmm. and stuff. I don't know where that came from, and like I don't really know what it is, you know. So uh, it's probably okay. I mean, people use it all the time, like uh, all uh -huh. the Carib Sea stuff. Yeah. You know, it comes in various sizes, and some of it obviously has little shells in it, like looks like coarse grade sand almost. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know. Uh, I don't know. You know, the, I, I just prefer the Acropora, but I'm not. I think we're gonna find out which one is the best uh, in, on you know various terms. Oh yeah. But like, I just don't think. You know, if I was gonna just pick one out of thin air, man, it would definitely be 
the one that resembles what I'm trying to create. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of size here, one of the things, man, there used to be like, you know, information ebbs and flows, right? And so back in the day, everybody was trying to get smaller and smaller and smaller bits of a calcium reactor because you create more surface area, which means the media melts faster. You can put more in there. It works better, blah, 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 blah. Except for those are all true. Except for it clogs the system up, yeah, right? True. And just jams. There's so little water flow through the thing. So, like most of these reactors, do not work well with these tiny, tiny, super fine medias. And so people start going coarser and coarser and coarser. And then you find out, like, you know what? I would actually rather buy a bigger reactor and use super extra coarse media yeah. uh, and just change it out less frequently. Yeah. You know, so I'd rather have less headaches in a larger reactor. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, that kind of depends. If you're already pinned in, man, hey, I have my tank, like I bought a, you know, a certain size reactor, I've been using it, and all of a sudden, man, I hit like maximum this thing can handle, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm not going to go buy a new reactor, so like maybe I'll, I'll, you know, change the size of media down progressively to try to compensate for that and, you know, prevent me from having to buy new gear in case you want to buy new gear, maybe. Uh, but, you know, uh, I would really try to uh, consider that. And then there's actually those, you know, lab-type ones out there. And I know Elos made one, and I'd have to Is look and see. calcium carbonate? It's just like a precipitated calcium carbonate, like, yeah. you know, labby-type pure. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, if you're super concerned about contaminants and, and stuff uh, that might be bound up in the corals, live you know the coral that was thriving in the ocean so it can't be that bad mm -hmm. but if you're really concerned about that you're really hyper concerned about phosphate or something because that's almost certainly in there in some tiny amount mm -hmm. you could use that but i think you lose all the benefits of like all the trace, trace elements, elements or you know presumably I'm, I'm gonna one day i'm not gonna have to say that word presumably anymore we're gonna actually so test happy. this stuff <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna test it man so uh, but like, yeah, I, I, you, you lose the like thought process that this is adding all the trace elements back to the tank if you use that kind of stuff. But I think we'll get to the bottom of that, man, and get a little better idea. Yeah, Coffee's uh, question kind of feeds into this, where you might have a couple of this. How often do we replace a media on a reactor, and does, is there a point where it isn't effective? Uh, you know, this is really probably going to be based. You were talking again about the surface area of your rea of your reactor media, so you know. More, more reactor media in the chamber, more surface area for CO2 to, to melt the different types of media. As that depletes, you mean you're running, basically you're running out of surface area to melt, which could lead, or I mean, which I would assume would lead to uh, less concentration inside of the reactor, which you would probably see as far as like an alkalinity or uh, calcium drop. You would be a, a drop in your main levels, and in which case, as you look at that, I mean, I'm always, I've always, I'm always the proponent of when it get, when this thing gets down to like a quarter full. Like if I had a full thing and I'm getting like down to this little quarter, uh, as cheap as media can be and as quick as it is to change out, just go ahead and replace it back up because it for me it probably took. You know, I mean, like you said, how long is it going to last? in there it's going to be dependent on your demand in your tank but like uh my heavy my heavy demand uh, sps 125 gallon tank that had uh, a small little reactor probably like a uh, one of the smaller bags of the two little fishes reborn uh three four five months i think before i finally have to get it to a point where i have to swap it out uh so there's a long timeline on that so 
rather than wait until the very last minute where you start to see a decrease in elk, when I when that thing gets down to like this much, either fill it back up if uh, or pull it out, rinse it out, put all new media back in and start over. So. So I know the guys at Worldwide they'd actually just top it off. Just right? top it off. Yeah, yeah. So like you know it would uh, go down a fourth or half or whatever, then they just top it off, uh, and then they think I can't remember if they said they do it once or twice. But what happens is that media, you know, as it's being dissolved, is it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so at some point you got fine media that, you know, jams in your pumps and stuff. So what they do is to top it off a few times or once or twice and then just dump the whole thing out the next time. And the stuff isn't that expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's probably some of the best advice. You could probably get, you know, real nerdy about it and, like, sift it if you want it or something, yeah. but, like, I, I don't think it's probably worth most people's time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, on the topic of sizing, your size slits, uh, tank sizes for high, medium, and low elk command uh, for some of the reactors, what does BRS consider high, medium, or low elk demand? Uh, you know, man, those are, like, really, you know, kind of vague, uh, yeah. you know, things, but, like, I would say your low demand, man, is, like, a bunch of LPS in there uh, mm-hmm. that is consuming. You got your calcium, or you got your coralline algae that once it starts covering everything, actually has a pretty high demand. Uh, and then you have your like mixed tank with a handful of uh, SPS corals in there. And then if you have your high demand tank, you know it's kind of wall to wall SPS. There's lots of colonies in there, but like temperature, there's a very high uh, yeah. after that. Right. You know. So the thing is, is like again, you can't go too big. Uh, and most of these things are pretty large. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I was looking at the sizing of them uh, for, I think, I can't remember when, what video that was for. But I was looking at the sizing uh, recently. And, you know, I have to say, I think most of them are pretty accurate. Uh, you know, so skimmers, I think, are sometimes are kind of ridiculous, uh, the way they try to, you know, size those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought the calcium reactor suggestions were, you know, pretty spot on, man. So I guess I, I'd follow that. And if I had to lean one way or another, uh, I'd probably lean to the heavy side because that will give me room to grow. Uh, and I will definitely, it can't get too big uh, other than space and budget. Mm-hmm. I like this question right here. Uh, uh, Milton wants to know, do you need a second re- uh, chamber in the calcium reactor? And if so, can I convert a biopellet reactor to use as the second chamber? Cool. Yeah, why not? So uh, one of the things about the what they say coming out of the you know re- reactor media or the main reactor is it's going to have some excess CO2 in it. In the effluent. You know, that's in yeah. the effluent. And, then, and, you know, I don't know, you know, how, this is one of, kind of, because nobody's really definitively shown this. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like a little bit of a fairy tale to me, but I don't know. And I'm going to find out for you, though, for sure, one way or another. But, you know, there's a little bit of excess CO2 in there, so the, the water that's coming out there is a lower pH if we, you know, you know, get the rest of that CO2 off. Hopefully, it will lower the pH of the tank a little less. Uh, you know, and then in terms of that, you know, there's a lot of reactors that already have a, a second one of those guys on there. Right. But a small one. I, I yeah. mean, literally, you you could do it with anything. Could. You know, there's like this isn't a uh, you know real advanced uh, piece of equipment. After that, just a hose that you could you know fill up. Anything. I don't know your bio pellet reactor specifically, but it's a cylindrical tube. Uh, you could probably fill it up with the media and probably pump the water through the bottom out the top, and it would probably serve the exact same effect. So, uh, yeah, why not? Solid. All right. 
So what trace elements should be dosed alongside a calcium reactor? Presumably the elements in the coral soft tissue won't be contained in the reactor media. Yeah, it makes a good point because I thought the same thing when we were discussing. When we were discussing the trace elements that would come from the media, I thought the same thing as far as trace elements bound in the, in the actual live tissue or the zooxanthellae of the corals. And obviously, that, uh, to me, that wouldn't, really, that wouldn't translate into the actual skeleton of it. Uh, so, which is something that I, I'm pretty excited for if we we're going to test this in the, Ask BRS, in the BRSTV Investigates. Because we actually plan on uh, a couple different tests. I think we're going to test, you know, different effluent uh, or different concentrations or uh, trace elements, sending an ICP test of, you know, running. Uh, I think we're, we're planning on doing it. Like, like, take a uh, container of salt water, run it through a calcium reactor, and send in the salt water, uh, the salt water itself ICP test, and then the final whatever is dripped out of the effluent ICP test, send those in and kind of take a look at different and different medias too. I think we'll do it with different medias, but Probably a whole bunch of things. Uh, but yeah, it'd be that'd be an interesting one, and that's I, I expect to find the same thing that maybe some don't translate over to the skeleton. This, this is what I'll say, man. It's for sure. There's things like iodine and whatnot that probably are not inside the coral skeleton uh mm -hmm. but maybe in the tissue or, or something like that uh but uh, i'm gonna you know just go ahead and share that if you can't test for it don't dose it like end of story man so like if you can't test for it it's, it, it you're more likely to screw things up oh, yeah. than you are to fix it uh and so you know between the trace elements you're probably getting from the calcium reactor and from your you know decent water change schedule uh, you're probably covered. And when I say probably, go look at the tanks over at WWC. Uh, they got three super awesome show tanks in the series that we showed you. And if you look at those tanks and say, oh, I want better than that, uh, then go do some other things, man. Or if you say, oh my gosh, man, that's the dream. Like, if I could have that in my house, man, yeah. like, oh, hallelujah. Uh, well, then don't worry about the rest of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, because they're not worried about They do about water it. changes and they do calcium reactor. And that's it. Yeah, not man. Like, uh, there might be some other, some subtle other stuff. But, like, you know, not not trace elements, the elixir though. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so like uh, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, you can absolutely go get uh, you know, a, when I say if you don't test for it, don't dose it. I mean it. But I mean, we're in a brave new world, so you can go send out an ICP test and see, you yeah. know, over time, like what is it that's depleted, and they have a little bit of information on there as to what you know presumably will happen if this thing is depleted, how depleted it is, and you can you know dose you that very thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can do, or, or you might even be able to find something like, you know, I bet you one of the like, Red Sea trace colors or one of those other things, you know, uh, ha the halogens. Yeah. Those are probably the ones that don't, you know, are probably in the live tissue, whatever. Hmm. And you get pretty darn close, you know. I, you know, so uh, don't dose things you can't test. If you do test, make sure you dose the, those things specifically and be careful about it. But, like, if you look at the WWC results and say. Hallelujah, that's the tank, my dream. That's where the path I want to go on. <laughs> well, then you don't need to worry about it. Uh, if you want to do better than them, then you do. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, figure tough. out where you're on that scale. Yeah. Uh, how do you transition from dosing pumps to a calcium reactor on a 400-gallon SPS tank? Uh, 380 milliliters, two parts a day. So we answered this a little bit earlier today. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I'd probably do is, like on a tank that big that's probably got a big investment in it, is I'd probably dose three quarters my normal dose. So take your dose back uh, one fourth, get the calcium reactor running, you know, figure out where it is. And that'd be about fourth your dose, you know, get rid of half of now your two part, double the dose, see where you're at, and just kind of scale it back instead of like, you know, flipping switches on yeah. and off. 
you know, just kind of make sure that it has as minimal of a change to the tank as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, and Mike Paletta swears by the Dasco. It's expensive and don't know about the parts availability. So are you familiar with the Dasco? Uh, no, the, the, the Dastaco. The Dastaco, the yeah. Dastaco? Uh, uh, so uh, uh, actually this is the one that got me interested again in a calcium reactor. And oh, yeah. the way that that thing works, and I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but like the way that thing works is it operates off of max solubility. Okay. You know, so it uh, doesn't use a calcium or a pH probe. It uses like a pressure or something in, in it and a little switch to add CO2 mm. to make sure that the thing is always dosing a maximum solubility uh, dose, which like, hey, man, if you can create maximum solubility, this is just like two-part. Yeah, it's just much. the amount that I dose. Yeah, true. And so, yeah, absolutely. I'll say the availability of that thing is near zero. Uh, I think you've got to buy it over at Unique Corals or something like that. Uh, uh, you know, Joe over there handles uh, all that stuff for them. Uh, it's, you know, I've asked them to stock it, but, like, they can't even provide enough for, for them, and it's mm. pretty, pretty low. Mm. Uh, so, you know, go check it out. I think uh, another one, though, we, we probably might stock in, in the near future, maybe, it would be the uh, Pac Sun one. I know that Zach is, like, internally testing that, and he's been working on it for, like, six months, uh, making sure that it meets the standards of what we'd want to offer uh, our customers. But it's the same kind of thing, man. It's off, uh, maintaining max solubility. It comes with a continuous duty dosing pump, uh, and it won't be cheap uh, again. But uh, yeah, so Mike Paletta swearing by the thing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Make it easy. That, that's definitely one. Mm -hmm. uh, I have an ozone reactor. Uh, if I use it in the second chamber, would the pump through it nullify or reduce it CO2? So that's a good question we were at talking about on SBRS TV yesterday, actually is like people, you know, ozone is, uh, you know, it's going to create excess oxygen. CO3 or O3? Yeah, yeah O3. O3. And like one of yeah. them will break off and it'll be O2. Yeah. Uh, okay, pH has nothing to do with oxygen at all. So it's totally confused all the time, man. Like, you know, adding air to the tank or whatever. Like, you know, uh, it was one of the discussions, uh, again, uh, on Ask Beers TV. It was like, you know, how do I increase the pH of the tank? And the solutions are like, absolutely, the advice is almost always right. Yeah. Just how it's used. So it was open up the windows to let fresh air in. Well, no, uh, adding the uh, oxygen into the house did not raise lower the pH of the razor, lower the pH. It's letting the CO2 out of the house <laughs> that uh, reduced the carbonic acid from the excess CO2 that was in the house. Mm. Uh, same thing with, uh, uh, what was the other solution in there? Uh, like, uh, Skimmer air intake. Skimmer air intake. The, the, uh, the, the scrubber. The scrubber it was like increasing the concentration of, of O2, which doesn't do Increasing concentration of O2 has no impact on pH. No, it's removing CO2. Yeah, it's removing the CO2, removes the carbonic acid from the tank, which increases the pH of the tank. And the, with the skimmer air intake, it's basically uh, pulling less CO2 laden air from the outside into your home in an environment that's more CO2 laden. Yeah, so Dave, man, don't feel bad because like this is a super like uh, this is something that like I would say 80% of people get wrong and they think that adding more oxygen uh, will you know change the tank's pH. Oxygen has zero to do with it. It's just getting rid of excess CO2 in the room, and you can do 
that by uh, plants uptaking the CO2. You can add, like, put plants in your house. You can put plants uh, in your sump. Mm -hmm. You can put, uh, like, you know, with, like, Kato, like algae plants. You can, you know, pump air in from outdoors, or you can scrub it out using CO2 media. Uh, but, yeah, I would, I would not think that you're going to be able to effectively do that. I think the best way will probably be to use CO2 scrubbing media uh, on your protein skimmer, mm -hmm. is, which is something else that we'll get to uh, in the not-too-distant future. And I think that we found a really cost-effective way of doing that, so you don't have to keep buying media all the time. Yeah. All right. There's a... Uh, oh, Reef Keeper's getting a lot of hits here. He says, Ryan, will you do a video on the setup of the Vertex and the Camor on the 160? Uh, with the day that he tells me, hey, I go set up the reactor on the 160 because I need to film it, then I'm sure Dave will be in here filming me set the thing up. So, yeah, probably. So I, can, I think he'll talk about it too, right? I can tell you almost for like 100%. I can tell you right now, leak, leak, spoiler city, close your ears. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put a calcium reactor on the 160 here mm -hmm. as part of the hybrid system because that's what WWC does, and that's because I love gear, and yep. I'm going to do it anyway. You can yep. stop me if you wanted to. Uh, and uh, on the XXL 750, we are going to put a calcium reactor on that one. Again, it's part of the hybrid system. They believe keeping it. I mean, actually, you know, it's interesting because they just preach simple and stable, simple and stable, yeah. simple. And, like, I actually say that, like, 8,000 times in these videos to the point that, like, you know, somebody gave me a really hard time about it. Like, <laughs> stop saying simple and stable. We get it. We get it. Well, you know what, man? I want to drill that in. I, it's like I want you I want to get to the point where you're like, stop saying it. Because that's the point of simple and stable breed success. And so they think so, uh, the calcium reactor is the simplest and stablest uh, way to maintain calcium and alkalinity in their tanks. So we're going to do it on that on the XXL 7050. Uh, my guess is that we're going to do two different kinds. So one, I'm going to do the vertex reactor probably uh, on this one. I really like the vertex reactor. It has a little flow meter on it. It has three different stages uh, of CO2 to knock off. Runs on a CHA pump. Really cool piece of it is that it comes on a plate. looks like all in one. But you can take it apart, actually, and take it off that plate and then fit it in your sump any way that you want to. And you don't necessarily need to use those other pieces if you're super tight on space. You don't have to use the... Uh, uh, secondary chamber. The secondary chamber. Yeah. And even if you did use a secondary chamber, the secondary chamber could actually go in the sump itself, yeah, you know, or, or whatever, you know. So, like, uh, the whole thing probably could. So, uh, the next one, though, we're also going to use is the Reef Octopus. I don't know if they call it the Varios version mm. or I don't know. But they use the, the DC pump. And the, that one's, my guess, is going to be the quietest one. It's also super big. So, it, it's going to have a... Uh, 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 I mean, almost all of these, including the Vertex one, is going to outpace a vast majority of your tanks out there, mm -hmm. like 180 probably down, which is 95% yeah. of the tanks out there. Yeah. Uh, but getting bigger than that, uh, we're going to probably put that one in there. And uh, uh, DC pumps for me, this is in a lobby. It needs to be as quiet as possible, and DC pumps are just the quietest, end of story. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're going to run both of them. We'll give you experiences, uh, what we found from both of them over time. Uh, and then I'm pretty certain, I'm giving away all the spoilers here, but I'm pretty certain on the 170, uh, E-Series 170 in my office, we're probably just going to do straight up BRS two-part, man, because that is, uh, that thing's supposed to be simple, stable, cheap, and easy, and small, you know, and it doesn't have a sump on it. And so what's easier than a couple of dosing pumps uh, and yeah. BRS two-part and some water changes, man, and we'll show you that... That is absolutely going to produce results, and I know that because there are tens of tens and tens of thousands <laughs> of tanks doing that very Years. thing with the results. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, I think we hit everything on there. We hit everything on here, man. Here, okay, well, let's ask a couple more questions. You know what? It's it's. I got a couple things to share, though. Let's ask the questions, and I got a couple pieces to share after that. We'll, we'll go a little long today. Okay. Uh, based on you, go go for this one. Uh, based on your experience, what percentage of magnesium do you guys mix with the calcium in the calcium reactor? I never did mix calcium or magnesium uh, media in my calcium reactor. I would test for magnesium on my own. And then if I needed to make an adjustment, uh, I always had, still had my two-part jug of, of magnesium mix, and I would pour, I would do the calculator, pour a dose, and then, and then let it sit. So uh, there's, you know, that, might, that worked for me. I had like my 125 and my 93-gallon cube that worked because I barely dosed magnesium, but maybe once every once a month, maybe once every two months or so. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a couple hundred mils, and then you're good. And then magnesium was good for the next month, but... Uh, there's people that add it in the secondary chamber. There's people that add it in the primary chamber, a small layer on top. Uh, no, I don't know. So trained. I'll just throw this in there. Uh, that medium is like, or media is uh, dolomite, I think, or like calcium, magnesium, some or other, whatever, okay. carbonate. Yeah. Uh, it has a lower pH point at which it dissolves. And so uh, one of the things you need to think about is, I don't know if I, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you could do this. And... You know, you could layer it, you could mix it throughout, but one of the things you can kind of think about is like, is, you know, the stuff stripping off some of the uh, CO2 as it's going through these big chambers. Is the pH in the top the same as the bottom? Mm. I don't know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But like, it's probably slightly uh, higher by the time it hits the top. Is this stuff is gonna, you know, uh, melt as fast as the media. It really depends on the media that you use. So you might want to put a layer of it at the bottom. I don't know, but like that's going to be hard to maintain. Mm. You know, just changing. You know, magnesium drops so slow that like just dosing it separately is yeah. like it's pretty easy. It's yeah, much easier than trying to play mad scientist. That doesn't mean that I won't do it because I probably will. I'll yeah. probably add some of the dolomite to the mix and you know explore it. You know, I'll probably mix it throughout the whole thing. Uh, and try to mix it, you know, with the other media. I wouldn't be surprised if it gets more concentrated as the other media dissolves faster. Uh, but, like, I'm not going to get hung up on it. If I need to dose some magnesium separately in a solution, it's super cheap, super easy. Yeah. It doesn't need to do very, very frequently. The tank isn't going to show signs of distress if it drops 30 points. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it, 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 yeah 30 points, uh, even, yeah, 100, man, it probably ain't going to make a big difference mm -hmm. in magnesium just because, you know, the difference between, thir you know, 1380 and 1280, biologically, is probably nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it, calcium would drop 420 to 320, it would be a lot, but... Uh, you know, it's a different kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So is a calcium reactor only beneficial for coral or is it uh, something else? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I, I guess it would be beneficial. Coralline, know, inverts, you know, things that build skeletal stru structure or shells or things like that. You use car calcium carbonate. Okay. So, yeah, it, not versus uh, any other solution. It's beneficial to corals, anything that calcifies. Yeah, so the, the, any organism in the tank that uses calcium and alkalinity to build its skeletal structure, including calcareous algaes like coralline, mm -hmm. including probably snails and stuff. Some uh, minor degree, probably not enough to make a major heavy demand on the probably tank. Probably not, though. but like uh, definitely the corals. So it's beneficial to a variety of things in there for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. 
Uh, hey, what's the best test for calcium, alkalinity, and magnesium in the market? So uh, I bet you, I can, but you and me will agree 100% on the best alkalinity one. I mean, we answer this one all the time, and it's usually the same. We're cheating off each other's homework. But uh, around the office here, and for almost every tank that we test here, the Hanna Alkalinity DKH checker, so for sure. Uh, I would never even consider using something like yeah. that. Uh, like, uh, like it, this is how it works. You fill up 10 milliliters of stuff. You put one milliliter thing in there. Click the buttons and you're done. Yeah. Like, oh man, you know, like uh, there's like one other step in there, but like it, it is, uh, you can do it in less than 60 seconds. And I am never trying to figure out which color purple or blue or yeah. did it change back or like uh, nonsense, you know. Uh, and uh, it's consistent for me, and I'd never consider ever using something different. No. Calcium though, what do you use? Uh, I like the Red Sea. The Red Sea titration calcium is my has always been my go-to. Uh, Salaford is probably another one I would use, and I so I when back when I had a reef tank at my house because now I have so many here to take care of or, or play around with. I don't need one at home, uh, but I did keep a Salaford test kit and the Red Sea test kit, and I primarily my Red Sea test kit was the go-to. I liked the one-handed testing; it was simple. You know, I, the color change seemed easy for me. Uh, and then if I got an off reading. And then I did it again and got another off reading. Then I'd pull out my Salifer test kit and be like, okay, well, let me double check this one with this, this test kit. But uh, the Red Sea is my go-to calcium. Okay, so I'm just going to go to calcium and magnesium at the same time. Uh, for me, the Salifer ones are probably the easiest to read. Hmm. Uh, but, like, it's not my favorite, and there's two reasons why. One, uh, with the Red Sea one, you can buy that kit that comes with all three of them for yeah. about the same price as both of the other ones, you know. So, yeah. like, uh, uh, it's it's if you get all three, the Reef Foundation thing comes calcium, alkalinity, yeah, it's and like magnesium. 20, it's like 20, almost 20, 25 bucks for each one individually, but I think only 50, 55 or something like that for the, tr like the tri-kit. It's pretty cheap. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. But here's a, I mean, this stuff is like nitpicky, man, but like when you use it all the time, it actually matters. So with the salivert, it comes in a cardboard box with mm. paper instructions. Okay, your hands are wet when yeah. you do these things, almost always, you know. So it's using it around water. It's, you know, sitting on a table that may have water on it. The cardboard box never lasts the whole time of the test. It's always getting deteriorated. Uh, the instructions, like, get smeared and whatever. And that may not happen for you, but it happens for a lot of people. So with the uh, Red Sea one, there are, you know, a plastic box that it goes into. I wouldn't call it waterproof, but, like, unless you submerge it, it's not going to get yeah. water in it. True. Uh, and the instructions are, like, a laminated card so I can mm -hmm. touch it with wet hands without, you know, destroying it. And then even just the materials on it, like, they have – each one of the reagents has a very clearly labeled uh, expiration date on it. They're, you know, not the cheapest things out there, so they're producing very reliable amounts uh, or, or drops because the things are, are not cheap. The bottles are little glass bottles instead of little plastic spheres, yeah. you know, and they sell reagent refills. And so after you bought the thing, the reagent refills makes it the cheapest option out there. So... You know, be, if you know legibility and color change is the only important factor, I actually find the Red Sea or the Salinity or the Salifert one to be the easiest to read. But I find all the other reasons for Red Sea to be overwhelming. So pick 
between those two things for you. Yeah. If I had to trust one, like, uh, you know, which one is going to be more accurate than the other, everything about the way the Red Sea one's put together says, I care about this thing, yeah. and I'm trying to produce the best. Yeah. Uh, so that would be the one that I would <laughs> trust the most. But that's, you know, just, you know, like a personal you know, observation from uh, from all of it, not based on fact. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to share uh, a couple of things now for this. So we're talking calcium reactors, man, and you know, one of the things that Randy and I have been talking about a lot is like, you know, trying to get away, you know, some clear up the murkiness of things, you know. And uh, if you watch the tour that we did on the whole facility on Black Friday, go to our YouTube like uh, homepage channel and see it if you want. But you know, we walk through and see the whole place here. And, uh, you know, there's a lab that we're building out. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I really want to get to the bottom of is calcium reactors, man, and, like, help people understand. And so these are a few of the things that you should expect to see uh, out of us and, and help, uh, you know, get to the bottom of how to make these things easier to use, make the information more accessible and easier to understand. Uh, a couple of them, excuse me, we are going to go out and... Uh, you know, take a maximum solubility solution. We'll pump, you know, fresh salt water right through this, through the thing. Let it create that maximum solubility for, uh, you know, 24 hours. Then we'll take that normal salt water and we'll take a thing of the effluent and we'll send it in for ICP testing. And I will finally be able to tell you how much uh, trace elements and which trace elements are coming out of this thing. Mm. And you know what? Let's do it for a whole bunch of different medias, yeah. right? And yeah. so we can, you know, decide which one of these medias, A, does that have contaminants in it, B, does it have all the trace elements in it, one of them better than the other one. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we can get that information to you, and I can stop using the word presumably. Uh, <laughs> I will know for sure it's adding these things, right? Yeah. Maybe take it a step farther, man, and run some actual tanks on it and, you know, that are filled with corals and use a calcium reactor uh, on one of them and use, like, uh, you know, just blank two-part on the other one and see, you know, what levels are getting depleted in just the calcium chloride environment versus the uh, calcium reactor one. Or maybe even uh, an alternative to that is using the, uh, like, synthetic calcium reactor medias in one, mm -hmm. and one that has all the trace elements in it. That'd probably even be better. Yeah. You know, and match those things up to each other and see what happens over time. Does one of them start to deplete and the other one uh, stays proper? Uh, and then beyond that, one of the things I also want to know that, like, as a, a mystery for a lot of these medias is what's the max saturation point uh, for some of these medias and at what pH, at what pH yeah. and what flow rate? Mm -hmm. So let's take, uh, uh, you know, the reborn media mm -hmm. from Two Little Fishes and uh, put it at a pretty slow flow rate and see what max solubility is at, uh, you know, a pH of uh, 7, 6.9, 6.8. You know, is it like 25 dKH, 30, you know, 35 and 40, you know, so on. You know, really get, you know, actual information and insight, you know, onto what is the anticipated max solubility of these medias at a different pH? Not just the two, the two little fishes, but let's try all of the popular ones, right? And then let's turn the flow rate up at each one of these things. So at you know, 10 milliliters a minute and a pH of uh, seven, you know, the max solubility maybe is 28 dKH. Yeah. 
but let's turn it up to uh, 25 milliliters a minute, and 30 milliliters a minute, 40 milliliters and a minute. And watch that DKH concentration start yeah. to dip or At decline. what point do we, have we, do we stop the max solubility? And then, mm. man, let's take it one step further. What if we double the size of the calcium reactor, increase the contact time, the amount of fluid that's in there, you know? Can we, you know, maintain that much further out, meaning that I don't have to have as low of a pH to get the same uh, 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 solution out of it? And, like, really, really start to explore, you know, the effects of the flow rate and how that affects, flow rate and pH and how that affects, like, flow rate, pH, and media type and how that affects max solubility of the media. Because for me, the number one thing here will be if we can identify where the max solubility is, let's set the system up to do that. And then all we need to do is dose, change the amount that we dose. And that'll, that'll be a really big deal for me and uh, to help everybody get this down to, dude, all you gotta do is assemble the reactor, put some media in it, set the pH to 6.8. And then and play with your flow. Play with your flow, man. That's it. Like, there's a little knob down there. This is the only knob you care about. It's right? almost easier than two-part because I don't have to, you know, get into adjust my timing, adjust my timer on my dosing pump, or go into my apex and adjust the amount of dosing. I can walk up to the pump and go 25. Boom. Done. Uh, so, yeah, at, at 25 milliliters, it's starting to drop a little bit. Let's go 27. Yeah. You know, so it, that, to me, is like the holy grail of the calcium reactor. If we can pinpoint and lock down the max solubility of the various medias at various flow rates in some common reactors, well, now, man, it is so easy. I can give you very direct advice of, hey, man, with this reactor and this media, set it up to pH or whatever and, you know, 6.7 precisely and just change the flow rate, man. From there, you'll be good. And this will be the easiest thing you've ever done on your tank, man. Like, it'll be easier than two-part. It'll be easier than Kalkwasser. Uh, it won't be cheaper, uh, yeah. but it'll be easier and cooler. So, yeah. Cool. What else are we gonna do with that thing, man? Any, any other tests we, I know we had a bunch of them. We were talking about, oh, talking about a whole bunch of them. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> got I, we got a whole somewhere. list of them, but yeah, right. man, like, so for me, I just really, in 2019, I really want to start answering, like, more questions, the, you know, and really get to the bottom, especially some of this complex stuff that's always been kind of, like, in a shrouded mystery of, you know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I really love the calcium reactor, but it seems so complex, yeah. you know, and you know what, it doesn't have to be. It's just, like, if you read a, a forum post on how to do a calcium reactor. Eyes crossed. Yeah, man. It's That's like, how I learned. It's just so much information, and yeah. it's just like really not refined, and everybody's arguing with each other the, their favorite way. Yeah. And like, hey, man, there is a best way, but let's just get a way that works, and then mm -hmm. you can go from there. Yeah. You know, that if every single person, if you did it this way, would achieve results, then you can expand your knowledge point from that point. Yeah. You know, like, but like, like, like let's not get stuck on my way or, uh, uh, you know, the you know, perfection uh, uh, of whatever, right? <laughs> Uh, so, all right, any, any other questions here we want to answer before we roll out? Uh, looking at a few. Uh, oh, wait. Hey, here's one. Neil, man. I bought a calcium reactor from you, mm -hmm. but I can never get it working properly. When I turn up the alkalinity very high, even the CO2 is set every 10 seconds, and the drip rate is at uh, minutes or minimums. All right. 
So I guess I wish we could have a little bit more conversation about mm -hmm. you know that one thing. So when I turn it on, the alkalinity goes very high. So he's got the sounds like he's got a, a digital regulator because it's every ten seconds. So that sounds like he's got the uh, the aquarium plant CO two digital regulator, which means if it's every ten seconds, it's on the slowest setting where ten seconds bubble goes out, ten seconds bubble goes out, and that's feeding his reactor, which is over over uh, saturated. I get apparently what it sounds like is one he's got a either a small calcium reactor with uh, that amount of CO2 going in, causing a high DKH inside the reactor. And then uh, what, I would, what, I'm trying, what I'm wondering is what his dose or what his flow rate is through the, calcium, uh, through the calcium reactor and going into the tank, that maybe he needs a dial back flow because he's adding too much saturated solution into the tank, which is causing the alkalinity to skyrocket. Or, or that, or he's got his pH set too low to where it it might be dissolving uh, the media too much and creating a very highly concentrated solution. I mean, just because people say six start at 6.6 .6 doesn't mean you have to stay at like 6.6 .6 or 6.4. Uh, for me, when I had a, a lower demand, uh, I would be, at, I was at like seven, you know, seven DKH, 7.1, which means less concentration alkalinity in my calcium reactor, same bubble, same bubble uh, drip rate, but less concentration in there. And with a slower flow or with a higher, or with a flow amount, I'm dosing less which means I'm not skyrocketing in my alkalinity those are a couple things I'd check though okay so best advice you'll hear all day on this man uh, it's hard to answer your question in its entirety mm. best advice I'll hear all day is do one of two things peg the pH inside the reactor and then adjust the flow rate uh, mm -hmm. to what you need and if it's dosing, dosing too much dose less fluid uh, or peg the, the amount that you're going to dose to the oh, tank yeah. uh, you know the fluent flow rate and change the pH in the reactor. So yep. the bubble count really is you know, part of the pH, but I would use, uh, the way that most people will set this up would be use a pH controller in a solenoid or, or to turn off your you know, carbon doser or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that you know it controls the pH and pegs it at wherever it's gonna peg. And then use the bubble count you know, as a backup. You know, so have it set so it's like just slightly above or below. Uh, I'm not sure which one you'd want to do, but mm. different reasons for each. But you know, right at that at that level, uh, and so they back each other up. Uh, and I guess I'd probably go just beyond. Uh, and you, yeah. I trust the pH controller, and this would back it up if the pH controller drifted. Yes. And I'll just throw one other thing in there. So. Uh, also, you know, you're going to use a pH control or pH thing. So, I mean, you got to like definitely calibrate your probes every now and yeah, then. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I would you know, probably do it quarterly or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily always need to calibrate them because if you can pull it out there and you put it in your 7.1 and it reads 7.1 and you mm -hmm. put it in your 10.01 or whatever and it reads that, the thing is calibrate. You don't need to redo it. In yeah. fact, you maybe mess it up if you do it. So if it, if it reads the solutions right, man, it's good. Uh, but if it isn't, then you should recalibrate it. And I would absolutely, the lab grade you know, misnomer with, or the label to probes is garbage. It means nothing. It means that it has a BCC connector on it. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't mean anything. The big difference, though, between these probes is definitely the dual junction. So uh, I'm not going to be super nerdy about it, but there's two uh, little barriers inside there. And a single junction is just one at the bottom, and uh, proteins in the tank, you know, get stuck to, uh, I think, the 
silver, potassium, nitrate, or whatever in there and fouls the whole thing up. If you have a second junction in there, it makes it super, super hard for that to happen and makes the probe last way longer, increases the accuracy, and costs like marginally more. Yeah. If it's just an average tank and you don't, you know, just putting it in your tank and you just want to know the pH of your tank within reason, maybe you can go with a single, single junction. junction. Yeah. But if I'm going to use it to control equipment to create a precise level of uh, uh, solution, I doubt or concentration of solution, but accuracy counts. So spend the extra 20 bucks yeah. uh, for sure. And get one that's going to last longer, calibrate longer, and be more accurate. Mm -hmm. Double junction, absolutely the way to go. Yeah, uh, one thing I'd add here too, Neil, if Neil's not using like the, the continuous duty peristaltic dosing pump to control flow mm -hmm. rate, uh, and you're using like uh, the little valve at the end of your effluent to control flow rate, uh, I would almost find it probably easier to maybe do the adjustment of the pH and try to peg your flow rate, because I mean, you've got a steady, continuous flow rate pump feeding this thing, it's like nonstop, it doesn't change. Unless it's DC, then you can make slight adjustments, but not, not like 20 to 21 or 22 mils per minute. Uh, and then your effluent drip, you know, as long as you keep that clean and steady, a steady flow rate, but then to play with the pH. Uh, what I'd also mention too, is you were talking, um, we were talking about the pH in that reactor. There was another thing I was going to say about it. Uh, I forgot. I forgot. But anyway, uh, if you got a if you got a steady duty pump, if you got a steady flow rate pump, that like an AC pump or maybe a DC pump with a less adjustability, I'd probably I'd personally start with adjusting pH to for uh, the concentration. I personally the go by the pump. Uh, or go by the or go by the Camore pump and then be done. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go all the way here. Yeah. I'm gonna say I would not personally set up a calcium reactor without uh, the Camore pump. Yeah. I mean, and that's just me. I'm not saying that uh, everybody out there needs to do that that way. Yeah. But uh, having a definitive flow rate uh, that isn't gonna get mucked up by stuff falling yeah. into it, yeah, a fluid build you know buildup, yeah. or you know who knows what you know chunks getting stuck in it, or you know people do it like siphons and stuff, like all kinds of crazy things. And like for me, the number one benefit to a calcium reactor with improved performance, make it easier and more stable, will definitely be the uh, continuous duty pump that's accurate and super easy to adjust. Right? Mm. I would call that like. For me personally, I wouldn't run with without it. It'd be more work than I want to deal with. And this is what I say, is I am not looking for a one-year successful tank. I'm looking for a decade successful tank. And so anything that I see as a major failure point uh, uh, between here and 10 years, I need to eliminate from my system. Hmm. Uh, anything that could destroy the tank. And so trying to get a siphon to be an accurate uh, amount on there, like, yeah. I, I just skip it, man. But I, I would save up, you know. Before I do it, I just, you know, save fifty bucks a month until I could buy the pump, and then I would do it proper, uh, you know, uh, or just buy it, whatever. But like, I, I, I you'd be major, major benefit using a controlled dose uh, through the thing and being able to adjust it. True. So. Yeah. All right, man. I'm gonna look for one more, and then we're gonna call it a day. Uh, talking about CO2. Is it different quality, the gas out there, concentration percentage, uh, you know, which should you look for? And, you know, I saw this question the other day, man, and I saw one out there, man, because mm. you know, we often say you can go get it from like a welding store yeah. or a, uh, like a paintball store or uh, you know, like uh, all that kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, man, you need food grade, right? Food grade really? CO2, you know, and that was in the Ask BRS TV group. Uh, somebody shared that with. Huh. 
and I wish I could remember where you get it from. Uh, but there was differences. Uh, there's absolutely purity differences in the CO2. That's interesting. Uh, and it wasn't like there was one major impurity. There was a difference that wasn't really a big deal. But hey, man, I guess you could go look for you know food grade you know CO2. Uh, there is a difference in the gases. Uh, I would say most people are not using food grade CO2 out there, though. Uh, they're getting it filled up at their For years. home brewing store. Yeah. Ah, that's where it was. Home brewing, home brewing because man. of food yeah, grade. Because it's food grade. Interesting. Ah, yeah, you figure something out. Uh, so yeah, a home brewing store. Almost every uh, market has one. They often have food grade uh, cylinders and, and gas because it is being used for a food application. That's interesting. Well, I don't know if it's food, it's but worth uh, testing. Uh, for beers. And so, uh, yeah, so you know what? That's where I'm going to get mine. <laughs> You've got a couple. <laughs> got a, we have the two biggest uh, online, online home brewing places in Minnesota. That's true. Uh, it's the uh, oddest yeah. thing. We drink a lot of beer here, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, we're going to call it a day. And uh, here's, a, here's my promise for you. I'm going to try my best to get out the uh, major, minor, and alkal- uh, major, minor, and trace element uh, replacement solution for the hybrid video next week. But the, that's going to depend on the length. So when I finish uh, creating all the material for it, if it's your typical 30-minute thing, there's no way Dave is going to get that done in two days right. after New Year's. You know, it's going to have to get pushed out. So you have to listen to us ramble again maybe next Friday. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to do our best uh, to get it done. I would say like probably 25% chance it's going to happen uh, unless I have really nothing to say about major, minor, trace elements. I think the chances of that are actually zero. So I'm going to move down to zero. It's probably not going to happen next weekend, uh, but we're going to move it on out. But we're going to do our best, man. I want to get back into rhythm. Holidays mess all this stuff up. Even just Black Friday was yeah, tough, man. Yeah, tough. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, man, we will uh, definitely... Oh, food grade can also be yeah. found through restaurant supply sources. Uh, as CO2, CO2 is also used in soda fountains. Ah, good job. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Hey, thanks, Adam. For you, those of you who don't know, over on hashtag Aspirus TV on Facebook, uh, we answer all kinds of questions. Yeah. Adam is actually answering there all the time. He gets every single question. I do my best. Uh, my, most of my yeah. posts come between uh, the hours of about 8 o'clock yeah. and uh, 10. Well, I'm doing bath time with my kids <laughs> and, uh, you know, put my other baby to sleep. You know, Clypey, I'm doing this. Uh, shake, yeah. shake, shake, shake. Uh, uh, but it might come at night, so I do my best. Uh, but Adam, man, he's there all the time and uh, answering every single question and really getting down to it. And he also tags uh, me and Randy uh, every time, mm-hmm. and there's something more complex that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I yeah, don't know. All my posts are about, like, this long, so you have to read through them. It's, uh, it gets pretty extensive. But Yeah, I can't do that long while I'm, I'm shaking the baby. <laughs> Minimal. Uh, but yeah, but if yeah. you haven't already, uh, hashtag AskBRSTV. If you type that into the Facebook search, you'll find the group. Click the join. Adam uh, will add you into the group and then uh, start answering questions, asking uh, questions. Well, you're at it too. You can also uh, invite your friends. You can be friends with Randy and I too. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, sometimes it's reefing, sometimes you just get to see my things, you know, my Christmas dinner. You know, I don't know, whatever <laughs> we're doing. So, whatever I'm doing, you get to see. But uh, yeah, so follow us up. Uh, I mean, it's almost like the, like, Reefing Kardashians, you know, just oh, crazy yeah. stuff going just on anytime. Up, you never know. Actually, it's really and boring. It's tea time with Randy and Ryan. <laughs> tea time. <laughs> See, like, uh, yeah, Thanks, cucumber Nicole. tea, right? <laughs> All right. Hey, well, have an uh, awesome weekend and a happy new year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Are we going to do this again on Monday? If we're, it's kind of like our day to do live. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, maybe maybe we'll see you guys on Monday. We'll do something else. We'll see. All right. We'll see you then. All, All right. right. Bye, guys. Peace.